Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. Wow, sixes, where does the bitch begin? Um... Sixes are probably my favorite number, and I know you're not supposed to have favorites like when you're a mom, but it is what it is. I'm so sorry. Sixes are nicer than you. Um, Sixes are more loyal than you, and sixes are more helpful than you. So I just, I don't know what to tell you. Um, JK, I love everybody equally, but sixes are wonderful fucking humans. But what I hear a lot from sixes is that they genuinely dislike being themselves. That it's like hell to live in their brains when we're over here like reaping the fucking benefits all the time. So um, I feel like that's something that I'm really excited to delve into with my current guest, uh, Maria Catherine. She has been my best friend for 16 years and honestly my best kept secret because I'm out here on the internet spilling all my shit and over here with just a freaking treasure trove of information and knowledge and joy in uh, my very best friend. So I'm really excited to share her with all of you today. It's actually super fucking special. Um, Favorite six anecdote. I feel like we just have to go there. Um, God, where does one even begin? I mean, they basically all are about Maria and she's gonna freaking kill me, but hmm. So I actually designed my original Millenniagram six mug after Maria because She's anxious and she's my oracle, so the anxious oracle. There you have it. Um, (laughs) But so I always go to Maria first for like any kind of advice that I may need in my life. But I've taken to letting her know in advance that I only want one sentence or like sometimes even one word because I swear to God, this woman has a wonderful thought, but she will couch it in so many paragraphs of information that like it's, it's, it's digging for a needle in a haystack to try and find it. So she's really good at it once I give her that direction, but there's a need to like overthink or overexplain or overanalyze the thing that she just freaking typed. So she will type you a literal essay and use up all of your data. So it's fine, but like, stop. Um, so a, a recurring theme that I really see with sixes is that they have amazing information to provide to everyone but themselves. And I'm excited to delve into that with Maria a little bit, see what's going on up in her noggin about it. And, um, yeah, I'm ready to share this with y'all. Love ya. Let's get into it. So for those of us who are just dipping our cute little toes into the Enneagram, sixes are right in the center of the thinking triad. So they are sandwiched between the fives and the sevens, and they are kind of the center of it. So we have a lot of brain-heavy activity with the sixes, lots of over-analysis, um, lots of uh, lots of fear. So we have kind of the phobic and the counterphobic sixes. So those are two different kinds of sixes. Although I would say for the most part, sixes kind of tend to blend 
in and out of those phobic and counterphobic moments in different phases of their lives. I've seen that a lot with the sixes that I love. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more and kind of talk about why we love these loyal, thoughtful, committed, fearful, sometimes anxious humans and how to work towards a path of integration and self-growth that is both um, realistic and exciting. Let's talk about it. Need to, to guzzle the wine to make my anxiety lesson for this shit show that's about to occur. Joke. <laughs> you're gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. I just like that you're drinking out of a camping glass for your wine right now. Yeah, because I might be anxious, but I can have fun. Oh, can you? Can yeah, you? you can have fun in the wilderness. <laughs> in the wilderness of your closet. <laughs> my closet. <laughs> With all my fucking clothes everywhere. Oh my god. Okay, um, hello everyone. Hi. It is I, Garbage Oprah, aka Hannah Posh. And I have brought a very special treat to you today. Um, I have brought to you my best friend of 16 years, Maria Catherine. Mm-hmm. She's a train wreck, so we yeah. relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most yeah. days. It's fine. It's, it's okay. We're recording this in my closet, if that's an in- indicator to you where <laughs> we're at in life currently. <laughs> it's all good. You know, you just, you're really fitting in with the garbage brand here, Maria. I know. Thanks, I, cre- thanks I created for you. Me. I created you. You so. created me. Yeah. I actually oh. created that motherfucking handle. You did the, yeah. the anxious oracle. Yeah. No, no. What? The internet's girlfriend. I created that. Did you? you? Yeah. In you the car. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. And you said, oh my God, I'm going to use that. And you never gave me credit. I totally forgot that you deserved credit for that's it. Okay. So that's now where we're at. I'm broadcasting it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay, so Maria, you are a six. I absolutely am. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trauma. There really isn't any other way to describe me. So, yeah, there really yeah. isn't. No. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about your journey with the Enneagram and how you discovered your type and like your woes about it. Oh, there's so many woes. <laughs> oh man. All right. So I've always been very interested in, in learning more about myself. I'm very, I think I'm pretty self-aware as a human being and now. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> um, kidding. Yes. It's actually been a journey, but recently over the last few years, I've really cared deeply about that. So I've really been into like the Myers-Briggs shit and all that. And I've taken the time to really learn about that. And then actually who, who got me into the Enneagram? Yeah, who was it, Maria? Would actually, it would, um, hold on. Is this, the, is this on? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was you. Oh my god! Yeah. Louder for the people in the back. Please. Yeah, no, we're not gonna. We're not gonna get you <laughs> off that way. It's fine. <laughs> oh. Okay. Anyway, so um, yes, you actually got me interested in it, and I really am thankful for that because. <gasps> no, no, no! Back up. Who got me into it? Back up. No. It was an ex-boyfriend of yours. That got me into it. Oh, God, don't. No more talks. <laughs> okay, that may actually have been true. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember which one, though? Well, let's take another okay, sippy. Yeah, just sippy swig that the... right now. Swig mm-hmm. it down. Pretty sure I know. But I will just say. <laughs> he was really dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, most of them were. So. Uh, so anyway, I think that you were the one that initially, like, 
got me pondering on the idea. And let me be frank, I really wasn't sure about it in the beginning because I didn't know a lot. And then the more I learned, the more I thought, well, this is the most, this is the best thing I could possibly be learning about myself because it not only tells me something about myself and like helps me round out who I am, but also can tell me things that I can improve on. It won't let me stay there, mm. you know? And I'm really into that. I'm really into that. So I would... So what you're saying is that you were suspicious I'm a of it. I'm a... Okay, let me just explain <laughs> something. Sixes are suspicious. <laughs> okay? They're a little distrustful sometimes. But yes, me as a whole, I wasn't sure about it in the beginning. But I love it now. Um, I'm really, I'm really interested to dig into, like... Is it, is it just like a vague general distrust of everything or is it coming from a specific place or like where does this suspicion come from? It comes, it, this is something I'm still well, learning you, about. Well, for I guess. Yeah, well, for me, for sure. I actually only know a few sixes, to be frank. So speaking for myself fully, I think suspicion comes from a lack of surety. Mm. Um, the world will never offer you surety and sixes demand for it. <laughs> we will fucking fight you down to get surety um and we will never get it but we always i think we kind of live our lives sometimes in a, in a pattern that's always Search searching it. for it correct yeah and so in not being able to get surety or or a stability like you're never going to be able to predict the future in your life right. ever right um whether or not you're good at reading yourself or others it doesn't really matter there's no surety in the next step you just have to take it mm. but i think distrust comes when we don't know. Right. We start just trusting situations that we can't control. And I think anxious people, which <laughs> I am. Um, you don't say. Yeah, I didn't. This is new for Hannah. She didn't <laughs> wow. know this about me. Yeah, new things. Discoveries. Wow. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, anxiety tends to, to be a portion of my life too. So Anxiety with not being able to get surety all the time will make you sometimes a little distrustful of situations. Is it the wish of wanting to know the end result? Like, oh, yeah, it... we want to, we all, yes, absolutely. And then when not being able to get it, we try to like formulate life sometimes around kind of rhythms to get us comfortable to a place where we realize like, oh, this might end well. Like we're like trying mm. to get the ending to be what we want it to be. So we're, we tend to be very... We have a rhythm about the things we do. We might be a little bit organized. You know, I'm, I might be a little organized. Stupid. We might have, for me, not we, me, have a desire to, like, control things. And by a desire to control things, we get a little weird about it. So. It reminds me of uh, that one time we were trying to watch a movie in your living uh -huh. room. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you and, don't need to talk about And your, yeah. your husband moved. Drinking the wine. <laughs> your husband moved the uh the the tv stand like a quarter of an inch yeah and i didn't like that, that. Do yeah you recall that yeah i didn't like that mm. so much because it kind of messed with my mood joke you know what i mean my feng shui it, it, <laughs> it threw the whole look of your home off and in reality no one else noticed such a thing but that's a great weird creepy example <laughs> you're welcome of my tendencies yes i do have a desire to control things i think that stems from the ultimate end result, which is that we want some sort of control over situations to feel calm because yeah. we have anxiety. For me, particularly, that's the truth. So, Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about your experience as a mom um, later on, but I'm interested when you mentioned rhythms, something that came to mind for me is how you um, Instagram story. Oh, yeah. 
that so thing. you kind of like um talk to us a little bit about that because you have this <laughs> like you have this way of it's almost like live journaling yeah um, where you're sort of like you're recounting um you're recounting a similar story because it's it's the rhythm or the tradition that you do on a daily basis sure. but like what has changed what you're um what you're trying to figure out yeah. about it like it's really interesting it's like you're living mm-hmm. you're just living your normal life but showing other people yeah, yeah yeah what is the impetus for that so you mean my stories um and my posts yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. so as somebody who struggles with anxiety also now that i'm learning more about being a six obviously this is about being a six but i think i'll speak directly to having anxiety um i've really pursued wanting authenticity in my life um, I think anxiety can sometimes make you hide away and make you afraid to talk about who you are. Mm. Um, because I'm not just anxiety. I'm so many things. I'm a, I'm a human being with so many facets that like are beautiful. Um, yeah. and anxiety can, it's a part of who I am and I'm not afraid to talk about it. So I've been pretty open about that on my Instagram posts and my stories. And then the way that I post, I, I want it to feel like somebody can relate to it in a very base level kind of way. Like hmm. I'm pretty open about when I'm struggling with a certain topic. I'm pretty open about struggling being a mom. Um, I have a three-year-old if anyone cares to know. <laughs> He is... He's perfect. He's an amazing human being, and he's taught me so many things, but it is fucking hard being a parent, and um, it's a beautiful, beautiful disaster, and I would... That's a pretty good way to describe it, (laughs) Um, but I I just... I I don't want anyone to encounter me and not be somehow, like, pushed in their life towards more beauty like and also realize like this is a part of life like whatever it is that you're walking Mm -hmm. in like the anxiety the personality struggles like with your type as a enneagram number or what you're walking through in your day-to-day so I do have a bit of a rhythm and I do tend to story more in the morning when my morning is just starting or I and I do do that because it's pattern for me and I do kind of find comfort in a pattern in my existence a little bit you know and that's probably due to the rhythm that you're talking about. So would about. you say, because um, being your friend as long as I have, I feel like this um, particular approach to social media or how you present your life is maybe kind of newer for you, like yeah. in the last couple of years? 100%. What is the, what was um, kind of the catalyst for the change? Because I feel like before... Yeah. You, um, you've always been very, like, whimsical and adorable, but you had, like, you had a very, um, the way that you presented your life online was very much, like, here's this wonderful thing and everything is great. Using lovely and darling a lot in my my phrases. Yeah. Um, If I hear one more Peter Pan quote in my life, I'm gonna die. Yeah, I will too. I mean, and I love that story still, but okay, so that's a great question. So I think that kind of leads into a little bit of my upbringing. Yeah. Um, You and I grew up going to the... Going to the chapel. Going to the chapel, baby. Uh, And grew up going to the same church, uh, if anyone doesn't know that. And that's actually, we didn't meet going to church, but we met doing homeschool things, Um, (laughs) which is a great way to meet people. So we're just fucked on all fronts. We are, and uh, we made it through with our friendship stronger than ever. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, we grew up going to the same church. We grew up in the same type of household. Yeah. Um, We grew up believing in the same kind of God. 
And I will talk about God right now because I think this actually plays a role in the way that I used to be. No, um, I really love, I love to hear you talk about this. Yeah. Um, been going through a lot of growth in the realm of spirituality and I really want to just encourage that like just because I'm going to talk about God doesn't mean that your spirituality has to look like that as any human being. Like mine just happens to to be where I want to pursue that. But really, it's been such a fucked up struggle uh, for me. Um, the God that I believed in before really required me to have it all together. Um, the God that I believed in before, the way we grew up, the expectations as a woman and as a member of the church. Um, <laughs> and as uh, the child of our parents. As the child of our parents who had a lot of expectations. You know, I'm so thankful I have a great, really thriving relationship with my mom now. But you know, the mom that she was then was expectant. Kathy, you're kick ass. She's wonderful now. I mean, she's on the same level with spirituality as I am now and is just so incredibly wonderful and has made such growth in her own life and encouraged me to do the same. But at the time, years and years ago, this was a struggle. And so the expectation as a human being was to just be the right woman. Be the right woman for a man. A Proverbs 31 woman. Yes. And if I wasn't, then my faith should be questioned. And so I think whatever Oof, I did, yeah. my anxiety started forming at this point, the belief in this kind of God. And, you know, I just, you know, it's that. And even to this day, it is like remnants of that flicker through my mind constantly because it's a, it's my battle to not like think that I'm upsetting God or that he's going to hurt me in some way um, when I don't have it all together. Mm. And so the way that I used to post Instagram stories or, or write on my Facebook, I feel like that's probably a more accurate representation at the time because I didn't Instagram so much then, was just, you just gotta be enough. And was, you were trying to project enoughness. And it was always about being enough. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that killed me. I'm yeah. still trying to come back to life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think that that had really messed with my anxiety, my, my threshold for anxiety, the amount that I could feel. I didn't even feel I could feel anxiety at that point in my life. You know, I was told by many different areas that that was a uh, not okay to feel that and like need help, like get help with feeling whatever right, you're right. feeling. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a journey and it's been a journey to get back to a place of like, you know what, I, I got to believe that that God was not the God that, that to me, I, I got to believe differently. Yeah. You know, to how did you realize that that was killing you? Like that that was starving your soul? Wow. That's a great question. Um, well, I'm just I, going way off book here, Maria. No, it's good. No. <laughs> I sent her a list of questions because yeah. she was like, Because anxiety. I, <laughs> I want to know the answers. I want to know them. Um, no, you know what? I like off script. That's good. I think I realized it because my mother actually was going through changes in her life. And I think it made yeah. me start realizing that I needed to do some self-reflection. I had just gotten married and was doing stuff with church related things at that point in time. Hadn't really taken the time to dissect my own faith. Just knew stuff was wrong. I also think that it, I had to come to grips with my faith when I had, you know, really dear people in my life go through different things, go through, um, relationships ending, their marriages ending, mm -hmm. realizing their sexuality, like different things yeah. that, that really mattered to me. And I had to go, who is God? You know, who is he? Because I don't think he's the fucking guy that I've been learning about. And he can't be because if he is an all encompassing love and not the anxiety ridden crap that I've been listening to for my whole life, then he's nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So I either decide no more God, or I decide to believe in something very different than the 
nicely blonde white boy Jesus that we believed in <laughs> for a long time. And I decided that that was the path I was going to go on. I rejected any faith at all for a, quite a while. And then I decided that I, for me personally, I need spirituality. Yeah. And that was my journey. And I think my mom actually got me started on thinking differently because she was the one who went through a change. She's first. been kind of a trailblazer. Yeah, a little she was bit. first. And she's lost people and I've lost people. Go figure. Yeah. I, it's been really, it was really cool for me to see, um, a woman that I looked up to as like a second mom sort of, um, admit to being wrong theologically. Yeah. Like openly about it. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know where I'm going, but I know this is not it. Yeah. And And I reject what I was, what I've taught my daughter and my son and what I projected to other people. And she rejects it. I mean, she just absolutely, she is not an evangelical Christian anymore. And I am not either. And I am all about it because I think that it is incredibly detrimental to your actual soul. And it's wild to think that like, you know, in the, the kind, in the milieu of evangelicalism that we grew up in, it was like considered, um, uh, it was considered a virtue to not change. Oh yeah. Because it was steadiness and calm and And you've quiet. nailed down the right theology. And you figured it out. So no questioning, no, no, no actual questioning. Like we maybe, can pretend. Or maybe you decide how many days a week you want to pray or, you know, or like have, when have is your quiet, quiet time going to be? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can question when that's acceptable, <laughs> but like, or maybe how long your shorts are or like what's appropriate to wear to church. Like these are all things that were acceptable to to change in viewpoint on but like nothing past that like if you changed your faith is in in some serious question oh yeah and I think for me as someone who struggles with anxiety and being a six that fucked me up with with God because it made me always be questioning always be questioning always be concerned always think he's going to take something from me if I love it too much always like be examining me and like watching where my issues are and then taking that thing and like making the thing that I'm afraid of happen and that really stemmed from religious trauma for sure for me. I want to talk a little bit more because I know when we've talked about how religious trauma plays out for us individually yeah um, I think that it did have um, kind of like weirdly Enneagram specific ramifications yeah. in our life. I know it's weird talking about it with it's you. It's really yeah. strange. Mm-hmm. But the way that you have described it is a lot of like not feeling like you didn't want God to know what mattered to you because you thought it would get taken from you. You mm-hmm. had this this fear, this anxiety that anything that you cared enough about would He'd get. Take. Yep. And and I think that's very in keeping with the theology that we were taught. Oh, for sure. I but mean, that yeah. wasn't what stuck out to me. Sure. But that was what stuck out to you. Because we're different people. Yeah. And that's the interesting part is why we, as people who are kind of coming out of that, should talk to each other because, mm-hmm. and get comfort from each other because you learn more about yourself when you come to grips with what's going on with you due to the way you grew up or the way that you believed about a certain spiritual deity. Um, and then you can come together and like figure it out. But yeah, it's been yeah. very strange. Um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, um, about like how religious trauma played out for you as a six. Yeah. Jeez. I don't have enough <laughs> time for that. But <laughs> I do think it just, it, what you were saying is, is I think that's been a theme when we talk about it mm-hmm. and it does play a role. Even when I've said, I reject that God, like I say no more to him or her or whatever, 
he, she, they, like, I say no more to that. I still have the ramifications of 20 some odd years. It's programmed Programmed into like a robot into my, who I am. And so even though I reject it, I can still see it play out in how I mom, how I partner with my husband, mm. how I live my life, how I try to enjoy my life. Um, so for me, it definitely was believing that God was somehow just watching like he was going to he was on top of you yeah like if you I remember even a time your mom had said like something about you guys as children like love it like I love my god more than I love anybody else And this was when we were young oh yeah and I remember that and it stuck with me like that that needed to be how I viewed everything else yeah and that god had to like hold this really supersede yes and if anything else came in the in front of that it was almost like discipleship group leaders or other people who were in our life would say that's not for you if you're choosing this over that like it like a thing that you wanted so a person so like maybe it was like a dating relationship and then maybe you guys like hugged for too long or kissed for too long or had like alone time together gag me or you loved them and you were young and you loved them it was always this quick jump of like nope not for you not for you that's not for you you like you're sinning you You like it too much you care about it too much if it's an idol in your life it wasn't just like it too much (gasps) the idol yep girl how many times have i heard that (laughs) and even in my own fucking head even these days i hear that phrase like knowing that it's not true because I heard it so much. Because as children, we learn to gaslight ourselves. Oh, yeah. So that voice gets programmed into us so that, you know, the, the church yeah. or the authorities or the parents or whoever is playing the role of arbit- arbitrating God in your life. Yeah. It's in your head. Absolutely. So you don't, they don't even have to do anything anymore because no. you're doing it to yourself. Absolutely. Like for years. Multiple, yeah. Multiple, multiple years. So it just has played out in thinking, okay, if I love something too much, God's going to take it to teach me a lesson. Or if I admit to fearing something, mm. God will make the fear happen to teach me ah. a lesson. Ah, and I can't, and it I hurts me. And I know that if someone doesn't struggle in that way with anxiety, they might be like, "Why the fuck would you think that?" And it's like, no, this has messed with my life. I'm gonna be 28 years old next month. Like it has messed with my life till now. It. So <laughs> right, and it will probably mess with it until I'm not here anymore. Yeah, it will, some remnants of it, you know. And that's been the the main way that religious trauma has been like. implemented into my mind in such a way that it affects my anxiety it affects how I love my husband I found that I push my husband away emotionally because I'm afraid that God will see even though I don't believe in that God it's so weird but I like push him away try to find a problem so that God will not think that I love him so much and that maybe he won't take him away because what if he knows that I really love my husband or my child Mm. and then he will find a way to take that thing from me because actually I've admitted to loving it when I remember with us um I have been um complimenting the perfection and genius of your son um, uh, since he was tiny. Yeah. And every He's time kid. I would say something to you about it, you would deflect it. And I was yeah. like, that's interesting because you're a very smart woman. I know that you see that, that your child is exceptional. Sure. I know that you see the same things that I do. I'm not picking out something. That's random and weird. But yeah. I could I could almost feel the fear in you of like oh, yeah. accepting that praise of yeah. him. You oh, know? it's painful. Yeah. Not because I don't believe my child is wonderful and smart and capable and lovely. Um, 
but I'm almost afraid that if someone would call that out in him, that maybe it would prove to be wrong and that God would be like, well, not really. Or like it would call God's attention to it. Yeah. Like, oh, little let's too make great. him dumb. Little like, too great. That's mean. But like, you know, let's not let him be like this way, you yeah. know? Let's, and like, oh, I don't. that's horrifying. It is. It is. It's a horrible way to live your life. Like the fear of God taking a thing that your child is great at and is obviously great at and then being like afraid that he'll take it away and then maybe make his health bad or maybe make his ability bad. And it's okay if like a child has that, like that's fine. But like with a child who's well, to be afraid that your child become unwell because someone was to compliment his wellness, (laughs) which I, you know, there it is. Take another drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take a swig. Take a swig. Well, let me let me kind of redirect this a little bit. Um, I've had a few people bring up to me that there's kind of a false equivalency sometimes between being a six and having like a generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. Like we talk about them like they're synonymous. And I feel like I've even fed into that a little bit with like the anxious oracle mug or whatever. I mean, mm. you are my anxious oracle. It's yeah. true. <laughs> um, but... Talk to me a little bit about how you differentiate between experiencing anxiety um, and experiencing yourself. Because they're not one and the same. I think there's kind of like maybe a push and pull where they feed mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. So um, you're saying what's the difference between my identity as a six like mm-hmm. that I find and that the fact that I would call myself an anxious person. Right. Okay. Yeah, they're very different because I realized... I've, you know, of the last few years, year and a half, maybe really dived into, because you have shared with me, like, mm-hmm. more and more as I've been interested in yeah. hearing about my number and learning about it, um, have I learned, oh, this really matches up with me. But I have, I was trying to think about that today, because I knew we were having this interview, and I was trying to think of, like, my anxiety struggle. Yeah. And it's interesting because I have changed as a person drastically over the years. I think I'm the same person, but the whole like whimsical part of me, this whole, the, what we were talking about, like the Peter Pan quotes and all this like floral crap and long dresses and like. She was like a little nymph, you guys, just like floating around in the world, like little fairy. Yeah. And I. Little black haired fairy. (laughs) And I loved that. And I think that I found identity in escaping. Because life was really difficult to stomach for me. Um, with... Oh, it's so interesting that you call it that because it was totally escapism. Mm-hmm. And I used to, like, watch Lord of the Rings a lot and, like, pause on a scene and, and write about it and, like, what, listen to Enya all the time. and like, Enya! You loved Enya! Yeah. And I used to put up... And that was, like, what I filled my world with because I really do think that it was really hard for me to stomach the world that I lived in with the God that I believed in, with the way that we lived life. Nope. And now I do, and now I have, thank God, but like, didn't then. So that was my way of escaping from the world that I was having a really hard time feeling comfortable in. Um, But I've always had cautious tendencies. Yeah. um, Ever since I was little. Now, it did not make me not do something in life, though. The only thing that it didn't make me do, like, I hate flying, and I didn't fly very much. You always hated flying. Yeah, always have hated flying. But I, that was the only thing that, like, I would avoid. And even now, I kind of avoid it. I like traveling. I hate flying. Y'all, so, this bitch, yeah. TBH, like, <laughs> honestly, I spent my entire adolescence oh. being embarrassed out of my freaking I know. I've embarrassed skin. Amy. So Amy's her sister, and I've embarrassed her. I've actually <laughs> flown with her, too, and that was... No. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've flown with you. No, it's That's a very weird. good thing that you haven't. Oh, yeah. my God. I can't even imagine. No, I'm going to get high next time is what I'm going to do. 
because ah! now I'm all for that shit. So, oh gonna, my god. Yeah, I'm gonna have to because I can't. It's interesting. But Maria, like, like as much as she was cautious, like making a scene in front of people has never been a problem for you. No, I've never been afraid. I've always been pretty self-assured of my like who I am, and like even when I haven't known what the fuck I am. I've owned that I don't know what the fuck I am. <laughs> and that's, I think, just in whatever. But, oh, yeah, I could care less what you think of me is what I'm basically It's saying. funny because you um, you have had this, like, caution and this, like, underlying anxiety. But at the same yeah. time, you've always had this, like, come at me, bruh. Yeah, like, don't, I don't, like, I, I don't care. Like, I, I do care. Like, there's a little, I do care. You won't That's let anybody else tell you who you are, though. No, never. And what you like or no. what, how you should feel. No. You're not about that life. No, and I think that that, I'm not sure if that's a six thing or a Maria thing. I've always been just, I just, I don't give the shits. Like, I... <laughs> I am myself. If you'd like it, then you come Good and I will embrace you. you. Yes. And if you don't, then I don't care. And that's suck on my titty. Yeah. Suck on both. Just, <laughs> just suck on both. <laughs> yeah. All right. Welcome to Dear Garbage Oprah, the part of the show where we answer your questions if we can. Um, I have, since I am not a six, I've brought along. Uh, Maria to help us with this one today the question that I have selected is from Brooke on Twitter Brooke Porter Um, her question is my sixth struggle lately has been learning how when to whom it is appropriate to share my love and friendship sometimes I do what I think is the right thing but people betray my trust or exhaust me how do I discern this oofda that Uh, is a tough question Brooke Hi, by the way. Um, (laughs) That is a great question because it is something that I think on all the time, actually. And here's the struggle is I, well, you had made mention of this a second ago. I tend to, for myself, I've been learning over the years to be kind to myself and in being kind to myself, and I'm sure you're doing the same. This is why you're asking this question. You're trying to be kind and good to yourself in, because you have an overflow that you could give to somebody. Yeah. But you're trying to be kind and realize that like some things are actually detrimental, dare I even say abusive sometimes in situations mm. to give too much and then not it not be in a correct location to give. Um where you're saying like people betray you, there's a distrust there. Um for myself cuz so what I was thinking on is that sometimes I have a lot, like I give a lot to people and I am like, the the chances that I give people are endless just depending on the people. And then sometimes there have been multiple times in my life where I have cut, they're just gone. I have cut people out. You're done. You're done. I send you a text message saying why you are done. I am kind to you. And then I block you. You're gone. I don't have any contact with you whatsoever. I've always been so impressed and like appalled by that. Yeah. In the (laughs) beginning. Okay. So when we were younger, you used to be incredibly appalled. You're like, how dare you? And then now you're like. I've learned. I've learned. How do you do that? Why did you do that? And then I have to think on it like and explain it to people because it's not, it's never frivolous. It's never like, I just don't like the way you're talking to me it's like actually no my soul feels a problem my I'm a there's a problem and so you're saying you know giving love and friendship to people is like for a six especially for myself at this stage in my life I'm 28 years old I 
have a hard time making new friends. I have a hard time making mm-hmm. close new friends. You will attest to this. Mm-hmm. I'm very suspicious <laughs> of new friends in our small little group of friends that we have. I'm suspicious of new mom friends that I make. I'm a mom to a three-year-old. And so when I make new friends, I'm very suspicious of them. So for me, I would encourage you more than anything. From the, I would encourage you, but I'm going to talk to myself too, because this is so towards me. I'm learning this in my life. I've not come, I've not come to my own in this. I'm still learning how to do this because I do get exhausted very easily with people who do not reciprocate. And I think as you grow and you change, you realize that like, first of all, you, most people at some point are going to exhaust you in some way. Okay? This is the thing we're afraid of. The mm-hmm. thing we're afraid of is people failing us. Yeah. We're afraid of people failing us, and that's something I'm afraid of. But realizing that the little deep inner voice, this inner voice that you know you have, I know you know it's there. The voice that's without the anxiety, without the fear, without the fear of loss, without the fear of betrayal, knows when your soul is being effed with. Like, it knows. Mm-hmm. It does. I, I know it. Even people who don't have anxiety know I it. I don't like to be effed with. Oh, yeah. Fucked with? Do you like- there we go. I, <laughs> okay. I prefer that, yes. Okay. Um, you, I think that when you realize, like, people are going to hurt you, but then there is a moment where you're like, no, this is a consistent, constant problem. That's when you say, no more. I will not have it because as life progresses, we, we don't have a lot of time to fuck <laughs> with people um as much as we used don't to we, though it's fine i mean whatever i don't know what kind of fucking you're talking about but <laughs> certain kinds i'm good with um so anyway i think that listening like being kind to yourself in such a way where you're listening to yourself and quieting the outside fears and concerns and the fear of loss something i have to do i'm always afraid of losing things mm. um that kindness towards yourself, I think, points you towards the people that are the right people to give your love and friendship and affection to. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Um, I feel like you um, – do you remember the one time where I stood up for you to a shit friend? Yeah. Did that mean a lot to you? Yes. It's yes. it's it's an important. incredible amount. I mean, I know that you are really you are really on top of your shit. You are on top of your this was the time, f- your boundaries, yeah. your yes, all those things. But sometimes for somebody else to come in and be like, you know what, I got you. Yeah, well, because I think we can speak into like, and if it, sometimes that's this was a corporate friend that we all had. Yes, and what was realized is that my concerns that were quiet about this friend quieter like I wasn't saying this to the friend I was saying this kind of to other people yeah um that it was starting to get to the point where there was a notice that I was getting kind of abused used and abused in a situation and she decided to step in she was well the friend was taking advantage of you constantly constantly because just like you're saying I'm sure you are very similar to this you do give a lot you will give until you cannot give anymore right and so it was really helpful for me to have somebody step in and say, no, actually, we're done with this. Like, I'm going to step in and be an advocate for you. Yeah. Yeah. That meant a lot. That's for sure. Shit. And you can be, Brooke, you can be an advocate for other people because I'm sure your discernment for others is even more heightened than it is for yourself. But that same discernment you have for other people, I would, I would just keep trying to listen to for yourself, too. That's good.
even when I haven't, that's what I was thinking about today. I'm like, because of the anxiety I've been thinking about, like, when did this really start? And I think it started when I had my son or when I got pregnant with my son, Noah, and he'll be three and a half. He's three and a half right now. So that gives you a timeline. Mm-hmm. That's when the anxiety really hit. I've always been cautious, like yeah. cautious, a little bit more like. You would overthink things. Yes, I've like... always been an overthinker. I've always kind of analyzed stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I've brought good advice to situations. Absolutely. But I've never been the anxiety that I felt since I had my kid. And I think that's because of another human in the world, you know, and trying to get my shit together. Um, but yeah, I, I, I... We were actually together when Maria discovered... Found out. That she was pregnant. Oh, lordy, oh my lordy. It was a whole thing. We were like, oh Marie and I have always loved to go on like little day road trips. And we so need to do another one again. We, we really do we need really to. We really do. It fills our soul. We've it really does. been like the dearest of friends for so long. Like, So we'll like yeah. turn on music really loud and just like, Maria will like scream intermittently. Like, I don't know what that's about. Well, just I just releasing like to tension. S- I like to startle. I like to, to you startle do. The people. You like to startle people. <laughs> the fuck is that noise? I don't. Uh, I, I like don't to have know. the upper hand. And if I can have it, <laughs> <any other way. laughs> you. Then I can. My son's now. Asinine little troll. Yeah. Well, you he know. got it from you. He did. Yes, he did. But we were, we were <laughs> anyway, together. Yes. Yeah. We were on a little day Woo. road trip, you know. We're like taking our cute Instagram pics. We have pictures of the day. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like being adorable. Yeah. And Ray was like, I kind of don't feel great. And I haven't felt great for a couple weeks. And, and my like, boobs are hurting. I was like, Maria. But I like was you like. You definitely did not think that it could be a thing because we no. had great sex education. <laughs> yeah. Right. Such great. I really. Uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> we did As not. And we had none. We, we had, had none. zero. Abstinence only. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. No sex. He was my first. Thankful. I love him. Oh, that's cool. Wow. We're going to stick it out. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we went into a little Walgreens on the side of the road, and you peed on a stick. I did. We were talking to each other about not the stick. Like, we were talking about we what we were going to do We definitely didn't after. think that's what it would be. No, I had had very many wines with Amy, her sister, the night before. Very many like, wines. No thoughts, you know, and... And we looked at the stick, and it, it wasn't the little plus or minus sign. No. It was like, it, it was the... It was words. It was pregnant or not pregnant. And, and we how many down, weeks you were pregnant. And we saw that it said the word pregnant. And you were like, when is the not going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, Maria. I don't you're think pregnant. it is. I don't think it is. No, you're the one that thought the not. You're like, Maria, what's the not? You looked at oh. me. I've never seen her look at me the way she looked at okay. me then. There was terror for both of us in that look. Because <laughs> I was like this isn't happening. Like, this was just not a thing, you know? I'd only been married for five months, guys, okay? So, there's and a you lot weren't, of that. And you weren't old. You were no. a little baby guy. Yeah. Oh, so only old people can have babies. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I had not programmed you into my no. mind as a possible mother. Like, well, that no. wasn't an outcome that I no, no. foresaw. And it was a lot of growth for me. I was not ready Very to quickly. have him. And I, I love him. There was no option of, like... For me, in that moment, I was having him. It, unless, like, something happened that was out of my control, I was having him. And so, or her. I didn't know at the time. But, yeah, that was a freaking scary moment for me. I remember you sitting in the car, and you were on the phone with Nathan. You were having this whole, like, Because he really... was in Flagstaff. I was down in Phoenix visiting oh God, for the weekend. that's right. And he was in Flagstaff. So I tell my husband that we're having a baby driving home over the phone yeah dr- over the phone and i just remember you like you were so precious you were like we're not ready <laughs> we're not ready and i was like oh my baby she's yeah. not ready no. 
She's not ready. But you got ready. I mean, you 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 do. You it's do or die and you do. I'm a doer. So You are a doer. Yeah. I love that about yeah. you. Anyway, parenting fun stuff. Um I can hear Noah. Can you hear him? Yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's just like, you know, this this hum it's in the a background. Hum. He's usually much louder than a hum. So <laughs> thank God he's just a hum right now. Uh. Um okay, so I have a couple of of questions yeah. about so I did design the Millenniagram mug, which you should go get one if you're you listening really to should. this. I had coffee out of it. It was either this morning or yesterday morning, and it was the best coffee I've had. So it does make it taste better. It does. Truly, there she added. I'm just gonna play right now. <laughs> she got a little song song to it. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you go to zazzle.com slash millenniagram, you can look up your mug. I, I have wing mugs for, like, almost every wing. Mm-hmm. I think, like, actually the six wing seven I never got a submission for, so holler. Oh, yeah. Send holler them in. At, Send holler them in. a bitch. I'm a six wing five, so I don't have anything for that one, but. You can, I, I believe in you. I but have good words. It's fine. Anyway. Yeah. Um, how have you learned to hone your ability to look into the lives of the people you love and offer good direction? Because I really like, I rely on can Maria's can guidance. You, okay, well, say something about that. Cause I, okay, she also prefaced in this Maria fucking take the goddamn compliment. And I'm I like, I did. It's written. It's I written. swear to God, if you don't accept this compliment, Maria is yeah, the note. Yeah, I'm not good at taking compliments. I'm good at owning confidence. I'm not good at taking them. Like, I have it. You cold- can give them to yourself. You can't accept my them own. from other people. Yeah, it makes me very uncomfortable. So, go ahead and say what you're But you. <laughs> Well, so I, I feel like, I feel like you've always given me good advice, but I did feel like when we were younger, your advice was maybe a little bit more anchored in that escapism a little bit. And it was judgy. We all offered judgy advice. We were all judgy because we, we were afraid. We were afraid Mm -hmm. that if one of us deviated from the path that it was hellfire. We were all the same belief system. Like we did not vary at all. Like where I'm talking like everything was the same. Like we even like shared clothes. Like Like everything was the same. one of us got to second base before somebody else, it was a whole, it was a crisis there was the judgment call it was a crisis and i'm just gonna say right now i got there first oh, okay all right that's <laughs> fine you are killing my brand okay so you shut your goddamn trap hole um but but i feel like as you have matured and gotten older and and become a mother and even just like look to your own um mental illness in the face because yeah. I know you struggle with anxiety yes, I and do. with OCD yep. and I have depression yep. um, and just reckoning with that and like looking it head on. Yeah. I, I really struggle a lot of times as a four, you know, uh, we, we want to rewrite the narrative of our life oh, for yeah. ourselves. Totally. So a lot of times I struggle to look at things head on and that has never been a thing that you struggle with. So you have slap some sense into me more than once um you've done the same for me actually so it's true yeah um but kind of i'm I'm interested in like how you develop that skill okay (laughs) it's not a skill um okay it's here's the thing is i think what it is is when i quiet okay i'm trying to think of the best way to describe this i wouldn't call it a skill because I'm really terrible at offering it to myself. And you have self-proclaimed this to me, mm-hmm. too. You've spoken mm-hmm. this over my life. <laughs> um, and, yeah, do it. Um, I really needed more of that, but it's fine. Um, You're okay. So, basically, I, like, I'm not even sure how to 
to word it. Um, I, I'm not good at offering it to myself. I'm terrible at it. Um, offering, first of all, kind thoughts are hard to offer to myself actually Mm -hmm. when I'm having a hard day, but also offering clear thoughts to myself because as she said, I have an anxiety disorder. I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder by a therapist and I do have an OCD uh, disorder as well. It's more of OCD tendencies. I don't, it doesn't quite manifest in like outward actions as much. I mean, uh, maybe moving the, the the fireplace forward a couple <laughs> inches, maybe that's an outward action. But more for me, when I'm afraid of something, I tend to think on the fear constantly until it like, I think that maybe it won't happen. So it's like my, my repetitive thought, the repetitive action mm. to like keep the thing away is to think of the thing constantly. And it like overtakes my life if I let it. Or you'll, like, repeat a fear to where you believe that you have some, like, Control. Deadly, deadly illness or Yes. Something. I've had health fears, health anxiety, and I've had fear over, like, the health of my child, my, my perfectly healthy child, you know, like, or my perfectly healthy husband, or, and if, and they will get sick one day. They're going to have something happen to them, but at, mm-hmm. the, but at this point in time, my fears are very much so not based in reality, but they're fears of the, what, the impending doom that I might think might Oof, happen, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm not great at honing it for myself. I'm working on it. I'm working on it through a lot of mental health. You know, I love yoga. I love, I take supplements. I don't take an an anxiety pill, like, to help me with my anxiety. One day I might, but I take supplements. I try to eat well. I try to, like, take care of myself, you know? So I'm working on trying to offer what I offer, maybe to what Hannah's talking about, like, where I can offer her really clear thoughts about Mm -hmm. things. I want to offer them one day to myself. I think as a six, it's hard. Because we do have a doomsday mentality sometimes um, and are afraid. Um, but I, for some reason, we're very clear, th- like, thinking about other people. I think about you guys as, like, um, Doctor Strange. Oh, in yeah. The movies where you're, like, you're playing every possible outcome of the scenario. Mm-hmm. And you, you are, your brain is so good at doing it mm-hmm. that you are able to, like... You are able to look at a situation from every angle mm-hmm. in a way that maybe Pretty somebody quickly. else very quickly. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody else. It, it would take me a week to get through mm-hmm. all of those, and you're like a minute done. Sure, and then it's like when I turn that on to myself, I like have the anxious thought first. When I think of Han- like if I'm offering Hannah thoughts about a situation, so she'll if she's coming to me and asking me a question about something, I my first thought is never anxiety. Like it's never the worst for her. Like I never no, you always believe the best for me. Yes. But I don't believe it just blindly. Like I actually feel yeah. that for the situation. Right. And I offer, I think I offer caution. I think I've, I offer valuable caution to a topic. If it's a topic that I feel like I'm having a feeling about, about whatever, you know, like I think I offer a well-rounded, I don't just offer like, Ooh, float in the clouds. And like, this is all going to be great. You know, but what, if, if anything, what I want to offer to anyone who's talking to me, obviously to myself, I'm working on this. But I want people to leave being, like, self-assured in themselves. Mm. Like, I want somebody to – all I want is to just highlight what I know you know. It literally feels like – like, I got this vision right now as you were talking about it. It feels like you are, like, laying my foundation for me and being Mm. like, hey, see this? Mm -hmm. See how solid you are? Yeah. You did this, but mm-hmm. you're like you're like filling in my edges, mm-hmm. you know. And offering thoughts, yeah. Well, oh man, that makes me so happy. That's all I want to do, cause that's that's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to do is 
just like, and sometimes my thoughts are like, and I always tell anyone I'm talking to when I have like a thought about something, I'm like, please disregard whatever it is you feel is not important information at this time. But like, if I can just like encourage somebody to be stronger, because I don't know, I think what it is, is I want to offer somebody something I'm struggling from to give to myself. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I know that, and I see very clearly like for you, Mm-hmm. Or, like, I see very clearly, like, the capabilities. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I want one day to get to the point where I can see past that for myself. So, um, sixes integrate to nine, um, mm-hmm. which uh, nine is in the intuitive triad, which has to do with, like, the gut and the body and, like, being yeah. present and, and grounded in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you disconnect from catastrophizing or disaster mentality and rediscover the joy of being alive? Mm, that's a great, <laughs> great question. I know you do this because I see it. See that I successfully do this? Not every day. Yeah. Maybe not even every week. Okay. But I see you making active There's effort. attempts. Yes. Because I'm not, I'm a, I'm a do, in that whole do or die, I'm a doer. I got to do. I'm not, there's no option action. the other way at this Which point. Which is pretty counterphobic. Like when we talk about phobic versus counterphobic, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. like, you're gonna, you're gonna do the thing. Whereas a phobic mm-hmm. person might in their fear, like, mm-hmm. retract. But I've learned that the best thing for me to do is run towards the thing I'm afraid of. Oh, It's wow. going to make me better. Yeah. It's going to make me more like a nine. Yeah. To not be, not even running, because nines may not run, they might casually stroll. Meander. Yeah. My <laughs> husband is a nine, for reference. Uh, so I know a little thing, too, about them. Um, also, most of my friends' They're not fast partners movers, are, are they? No, but they move. <laughs> so they get somewhere. They get somewhere. They're like the, t- the tortoise and the hare. Yeah, and they win. Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. So we have kind of got off track. What was I talking about? <laughs> you were talking about how you get back into your body. Yeah, so... So my husband, like I said, is a nine. Um, so I have a little understanding of like he is the most grounding thing in my life, truly, because of his nature and also just who he is. And I've known him for a very long time. Mm. Um, and he, I'm fully able to be authentic with him, and he knows everything about me and every weakness and every really strong suit. And we work really well together um, on good days. You know how it goes with <laughs> course, partners. Course. Yeah. Um, and on bad days, we work it out too. But. I think that what I'm learning is that I actually have, I, I can think clearly. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I actually can think clearly and anxiety doesn't own who I am. It's just a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to, um, like the whole running into a fear thing, like yeah. in, even if I don't run into the fear, something my mother has taught me is acceptance. Um, accepting where Mm. you are, accepting who you are, accepting what you're afraid of. Nothing bad's going to happen because you're accepting. Mm -hmm. But for me, like the acceptance and the leaning into the thing that I'm afraid of, those times that I do that, which are not all the time, this is a very, very long road for me. But when I do that, I realize that I have a lot more freedom to live well. Yeah. When I just accept that I don't have all the answers. The six six in me wants to know all the answers. It wants to know 
how to get from point A to point B to point C to point D, all the way through the alphabet and back around again. It wants to know clearly where I'm going all the time. So a thought that I'm having right now is it feels like spontaneity is kind of like the antidote to yes. your anxiety a lot and of times. I used to be very spontaneous yeah. when I was younger. You would just break out into song or break out into laughter. And now that's a little harder for me to do. But you seek it out still. I do. Well, sure. I think you probably see it. You drive to, you take Noah and you drive to a mountain that you love. Yes, I do. And you go explore. I do. Or you. you, There's no risk in that for some reason. I like just do it anyway. You pile the family into the car on the weekend and you drive up north and go see the forest or like you get out into nature. It yeah. seems like that's something that try kind of... new things. You know, Nathan yeah. and I try new things, and those don't scare me for some reason. Yeah, I think, but those in those moments, it is to diving into that and going. I don't know how my kid's gonna act today. I don't know how this is gonna go. <laughs> it's is an this... adventure. Yeah, but I, but yeah, I think that leaning into spontaneity when I can, where it's healthy for you, because just because that might be the best decision to do, like to lean into a fear, doesn't mean that's like the most the best decision in every situation. For like sure. You have to be kind to yourself. You have and to I, be gentle. Yes, and that has been why it's been slow moving for me because mm-hmm. I don't think that rushing to get to a better spot is what's going to make me better. Right. Um, right. Or better. I don't even like the word better. I think a, a, a um, kinder person to myself. Yeah. That's what better looks like. When I say better, I just mean someone who's more, even more self-assured and more able to conquer situations than she is now. And I think for sixes, being that you're in the thinking triad, yeah. it's really easy to get stuck up in your head. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, man. Same with fives and sevens, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you are able to recognize that your body holds as much wisdom as your brain does, mm-hmm. and they can work in harmony together, yeah. it seems like... So I see you doing things like you go boxing, yeah. or you go... Um, run up a mountain or you go, yeah, yeah, you go like actively move your body and reconnect with her. Because it helps me. Yeah. The moment that I realize how strong she is, it gives me some clarity for for the rest of my days, truly. Mm. It really seems like it gives you a lot of confidence to feel actual physical strength. I'm a very sensory person as I've learned about myself. I didn't really want to lean into sensory anything when I was younger, you know? (laughs) Let's just leave it there. Because your senses might be wrong. Might be wrong or it just shouldn't feel good, you know? Nothing Um, should feel good. No. Be repressed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's how I live my life. Um, So now I'm kind of leaning into what does feel good. Asking for what I like that feels good. Doing it for myself. Going running. Going to the gym. I'm really big into yoga and the gym and working out like that's important to me because not just because I like it, but because it's good for me. Like yeah. I actually feel yeah. that working out and sweating a lot helps me center myself. Mm. But then being like taking that time. I'm a mom. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And to be able to leave at night and go do that and like not feel guilt about leaving my family like in that moment. Like and do, t- taking time and going on the weekends and doing what I need to do. Like all things from my past, you know, guilt yeah. that comes up from my past, but all things that I need to, like, reject, like, constantly, yeah. you know, and be kind to myself. I, yeah. So let's let's touch on motherhood briefly because I feel like, I, I'm trying to think, I don't know if I've had a mom guest yet, and you're a millennial mom. I am. And so um, I feel like that um, that brings its own unique challenges. Yeah. Um, and also its own unique strengths. Sure. And so yeah. I'd love to hear, like, 
as I, I love hearing you talk about motherhood and like what, what is teaching you, what you're learning from Noah, what, um, uh, what he's learning from you. Um, so I'd love to know, like, what, what do you feel like are the pros and the cons that you bring to motherhood as a six? Ooh. All right. This is going to take me a minute. Um, <laughs> cause initially my, always, my thought is like the critique, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So being a mom, even though the timing for me was difficult mm-hmm. and it came out of nowhere and it was a really hard, I kind of mourned the loss of the life that I had had. Yeah. Um, and I'm very open about that. I'm not sugarcoating that this was all like easy peasy and he came and it was good. And But that is how a lot of moms, Christian, not Christian, all the They realm, think that they should just be totally happy and erase anything that came before. Or, yeah. And like be or any good plans with it. Or like dreams. set yep. and like this is your life. And this was a hard mourning process for me to be a parent because I mourned the loss of the life that I had had that I wasn't quite ready to give up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the really beautiful thing about having my son, it has taught me, it has taught me a multitude of things, but it has taught me how strong I can be. Yeah. Um, and actually how good of a mom I am. Yeah. Um, that I can actually say that about myself and that even though I bring neuroses, like weird things <laughs> and I bring fear and I bring nuances to this that only me who struggles with the things I do would bring to my child, okay? I also know I bring a lot of good and I also know I'm capable. Mm. I think sometimes as someone who struggles with anxiety, you feel you are not capable. Like you, you're fearful that you, you've lost your capability inside your anxiety. Right. In anything, not just momming, but like anything. And I've learned that I am capable. I'm good at being a a parent. I am also bad at being a parent. I also have really, really hard days. And, you know, just recently my son started preschool and that's been great. That's the first break I've gotten as a stay at home mom in my time with him. I know. No and breaks. People don't freaking understand that it is Yeah. It it's it's a it's not it's not a full time job. It is literally an entire it's life. It's your job. whole life it's twenty four seven. There is no break. He wakes you up in the middle of the night. Yep. He you know And that's what the gig is. Well and of course I, and of I'm course. good with that. Like in, in the whole grand scheme of things, I accept it and know that's what it is. Mm. Um but what being a six and parenting is a challenge both of them coexisting together it's a challenge because i have to lean into the unknowns i have to lean into the uncertainty i have to lean into even though i am a capable parent and even though i have a schedule for my child and even (laughs) though i feed him good food and i treat him well and i affirm him as a human and you lather him in in hand sanitizer sanitizer which I do. Um, <laughs> he still gets sick. The child just got strep recently. He's had the flu already, and he's three. He get he's had all the things he could possibly have, and that is with me being quite good at keeping him clean. Okay, and I can't control that, and no, I have to live can't. my life knowing that he could get something even worse than that, that he is going to treat people unkindly sometimes, as well as I treat him how to love people. He's still going to treat people poorly at times. Sure. He's not going to be the perfect child. He gets in trouble at school even. He has already gotten in trouble at school. Like, (laughs) that's... But that's the unknowns that I'm having. Literally, I am being forced to accept. Yeah. Like, the acceptance of that for me 
it's uncomfortable and it's painful and it's fear inducing but it is the right thing for me to do yeah. to lean into that and so as a parent that has been if i if all i do during the day is love my child fiercely and not like prohibit him from living mm-hmm. because this is something one of my favorite people in the world has said and i'm paraphrasing it's glennon doyle Melton. Yes. something she says often is that you cannot take pain away from your children mm. you just can't the wrong thing to do is to be a parent who attempts to take to to shield your child from fear like not from fear but shield yourself from fear but right right but shield your child from pain yeah but you actually are there to walk through it with them because the only reason that you are a semi-decent human as the human that you are, Hannah, and I am, is that we've walked through some pain. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. But we can't take it from our child. We just can't. But we can walk through it with them. And there's no way that without that pain and suffering that I would be myself. A decent person. Yeah. Like, you can't actually, I don't think you can be a decent, empathetic person without having walked through a lot of pain in your life. Right. And I that's not to say that, like, oh, you should experience no. pain or trauma. No, no. <laughs> no, and, and pain looks different for everybody. So, like, trauma, like, I'm not saying, like, immerse yourself in pain. I'm saying the life that you, living brings pain. Mm-hmm. It's just the element. Engaging with other humans. Engaging with people. Having heartbreak. hopes and dreams. Yes. My first heartbreak showed me that very quickly. Like, you multiple heartbreaks of different kinds you know but like you can't escape pain in life you can't even if you live a life that doesn't have major ups and downs you're still going to be feeling pain yeah so it's those moments that you either can become an empathetic human or you can become the bully yeah and the desire that i hope that i would instill in my child is to be the is to be a kind person yeah. Even though he will inevitably feel pain, and I will too, because he's my baby, and I'll watch him. I will have to watch him go through that. Yeah. And literally, as I'm saying, and not saying be that, able to fix it, and I can't fix it. That I'm a fixer. Yeah. I'm a fixer for She's everyone. She's a doer and a fixer. Well, I like to make. Pe- I want people to be healthy and happy and loved. And you just want everybody to be okay all the time. Yeah, I do, but I can't do that. Right. And the six in me and the Maria in me wants to do all the alternative, but I can't, you know? And I think that as a parent is the very best thing that I could have ever heard from another parent. She is another parent. Glennon is a parent. And she said that one time and I thought, well, that's the best thing I could have heard. Mm. The best thing. So, um, I have like a bazillion more questions I could ask you, um, because you're my favorite person, but, um, we are nearing the end. So I have every, every one of my guests, um, share an affirmation. Um, that they would like to communicate either to, um, well, primarily to other sixes. But mm-hmm. but what's interesting about the Enneagram is that all of this stuff, the Enneagram just basically documents nine different shades of the human experience. Oh, totally. So in, in a way, we can all relate to... Um, we can all relate to, to facets of, of each, but... Oh, and I have, like, yeah. so much as I've dived into that. Can I give a quote instead of an affirmation? Yeah, that's... I think I've shared this with this quote with you before. I think that you have. But it's the only one that I really... I'm not... I'm Actually, I'm an okay writer, but it makes me nervous to have to, like, do that. So I'm going to just share a quote instead. Okay. And then explain why. Okay. Does that work? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, of course, it's 
Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so you have yet to learn how kind time is. And life has something for you. I feel it. Go forward and meet it fearlessly, dear. And that's L.M. Montgomery. So, you know, Anna Green Gables and all that. So the reason that I picked that, though, and it literally every time I hear it, it I could not find something that speaks more to my heart because hmm. I think we're afraid that somehow time and life is out to hurt us, mm. whether you grew up religious or not. I think this is probably a common thing. I think that people, we live in a really fucked up time, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So how could you not? But I think that realizing that, like, time actually can produce a lot of kindness for you mm. and a lot of love and a lot of love for others and a lot of love that you can give others and a lot of love for yourself does not mean it will not be unkind. Right. But, like, realizing, because a six tends to be the worst case. So instead, realizing, actually, no, like, this is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Run at it. Meet it. Meet life every day, even if it's a really hard day. Like, this does not, like, man, I can't even tell you the amount of times I don't want to get up in the morning. Yeah. And you don't always even know that when I'm going through that. My No one knows. It's me. I'm dealing with it. But I think of this, no, I need to meet it. Yeah. I am going to meet you. I will meet you life until I cannot meet you anymore. Wow. Yeah. And that to me speaks to me as a human. It speaks to me as a six, more as a six even than a human, but very much so as a human too. And I think that can be met whatever number you are. Um, and really like resonating with that, like and sitting in it. It's not just a quote from a silly book. It's like mm -hmm. really like if you lived your life like that, I think like how astounding the world could be, mm -hmm. you know? Thank you for bringing yourself to us today. I love you. You're welcome. I was fully me, so. <laughs> you always are. And that's one of my favorite things about you. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. You got a great one here. She's my favorite. Maria, do you want people to find you on the internet? Yes. If you want to find me, please find me. Um, so I'm on Instagram as all lowercase Maria, M-A-R-I-A underscore Catherine with a C. And then another underscore after that. And then that's me on the interwebs for in, for the Instagrams with just Maria underscore Catherine underscore. So if you, and also if you go to my Instagram story. She um, tags today me a lot, on the, yeah. Uh, well, today is October 4th, but whenever you're hearing this, I, I tag her all the dang time. It's fine. Yeah, we, we go back and forth together a lot. But you absolutely can find me, DM me, talk to me. I really love people. And I love you, even though I've never met you. So find me. You sure. like hearing people's stories. It is the very best thing in the world. So never be afraid to share it. it All right, she's around, up. people. I have now shared with you my best kept secret. You're <laughs> welcome. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.